Am I, there we go, okay. Good, I, I thought, didn't know if the AV team had finally gotten tired of me and just was cutting me out here. All right, good morning everyone. It is Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all of you who are mothers and to those of you who have mothers or had had a mother. Now, again, happy Mother's Day to all of you today. And uh, it is one of those days that we sort of celebrate in church, but the, what we're gonna look at today applies to everybody, but we're gonna look at it through the framework of mothers today. Um, by the way, if you're a guest today, I want to uh, let you know that I'm the interim pastor here. So our church has formed a pastor search committee, and we'll hopefully be finding a new pastor <clears throat> in the next couple, uh, next few months. But uh, you are welcome here today, and I hope if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I hope I'll have the chance to meet you uh, afterwards. So um, I know that some of you here are, um, uh, some of you have come to be with your kids today. I imagine we're missing some people who've gone to be with their moms today. Um, I know some of you, uh, like me, are sad because you can't be with your mom today. My mom lives in Georgia, and I cannot be with her. Um, some of you uh, may be sad because you've had your kids all weekend with, with you, and you're just exhausted now, and I get that too. Uh, I've heard it said that, that a mother's job is to deliver, to deliver her children once obstetrically and then to deliver them forever by minivan. So I don't know if you get that anyway. So if, you're, if you don't understand that, well, then you're not a mom, all right? So today we're going to talk about the power of moms. But before we do, I'll take one of the few privileges, well, there's actually a lot of privileges of being the pastor here. And I do want to say a public hello to my mom uh, in Georgia, uh, one of the strongest women I knew. She's lived as a widow for 23 years now and has survived with grace and beauty and power and taught me a lot about power. We're going to talk about the power of moms today. Uh, give you a quick story. Uh, when I went away to college, uh, as Marshall, you're going to be doing soon. Where did he go? All right, there we go. Um, and so we drove a thousand miles from Georgia to uh, to Baylor University, where I went. And my parents uh, 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 gave me a car to be a part of that. So, Marshall, they giving you a car to take? My parents gave me a car, so I'm just saying. So, just leverage there. But but my parents drove out in another car behind me and got me settled and stayed there a couple of days and then left. And I remember saying many years later to my dad how how impressed I was with my mom that she never even cried when I left and my dad started laughing and said she was bawling before we hit the city limits leaving town she just never let you see it so that was that strength that she had at that point so happy Mother's Day mom and uh, to the rest of you I love you mom all right now again as I said before to everyone who has had a mother or is a mother or has had a mother uh, we want to give this service today so let's pray for our moms real quick God the love and the skill and determination that you have put into mothers is just amazing. Father, it's a love, that, um, a love and care that, that most mothers put into their kids is where we can so clearly see your love for us, your love and your care. Thank you for this amazing design that you've given us of mothers and fathers, each with their own special and unique role. And Father, today, help us to celebrate our mothers and be thankful to you for them. And Father, for those who cannot celebrate moms today because we live in a fallen world, we ask you to hold them tight and remind them that a mother's love comes from Jesus, from you, and that you'll provide what you lack, what we lack. Father, bless the moms today. Give them peace and rest and joy and guide us as we examine your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I do not promise to not tear up today already, so okay, I'm not always a crybaby, but I'm often enough, so all right, there we go. Well, I feel totally inadequate to talk about moms today because I'm not a mother. In fact, I'm in agreement with the, the character Dorothy from Golden Girls. If you're not my age, you don't know what that is. 
But the character Dorothy from Golden Girls, an old TV show, said this. It's not easy being a mother. If it were, fathers would do it. <laughs> All right? So, and I've not yet seen a woman that heard that that didn't laugh at it and probably agree with it in some way. So, um, so I know there's a lot of pain that's often associated with raising, raising children. And, um, but today, as we, as we look at that, I'm going to address one aspect of motherhood. And it's not the part that... Uh, that, that hits you today, I apologize for that. It's such a deep subject, we can't cover everything. But what we're looking at, again, remember, applies to every Christian. We're just looking at it through the framework of being a mother. And it's found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. Most of you probably have heard this passage before. It's a very common Mother's Day passage. But it's Paul, the apostle, writing to his protege, Timothy. And he says this in chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. He says, I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now, I am convinced, is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of hands, of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. And out of this passage today, I see three simple things that I think is an awesome mom power. It, it, it dwells in the, in, in the life of every Christian, every believer, but moms are one way that we see it very, very clearly. And so for moms today, I want to tell you, moms, you have the power to transmit faith to your kids. Moms have a power to do that. To understand this, we have to look at the background of Timothy. Now, we're going to meet Timothy. We've been going through Acts. And in a, in a few weeks, we're going to be in Acts chapter 16. And we're going to meet Timothy there. That's where we first see about it. But just as a little preview, in Acts 16, verse 1, um, we see that, and so one through three, Paul came to, it says, Paul also came to Derby and to Lystra, and there was a disciple there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek, and he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and in Iconium. Paul wanted to go with, wanted this man to go with him and took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, it's important to know this. Let's look at this. Paul meets Timothy on his second missionary journey. Now, last week, we, we looked in the book of Acts where the church of Antioch sent out Paul on his first missionary journey. Well, several years later, he went on a second missionary journey, and that's where he went to the city of Lystra. And he met this woman, uh, Eunice, who was Jewish. And this was important because in the Jewish practice, if your mom was Jewish, you're Jewish. That's the way the Jews looked at it. Uh, we'll we may get into that more a little bit later, but that was it. You had a Jewish father and a Gentile mother, you weren't considered Jewish. But if you had a Jewish mother, you were considered Jewish in Jewish culture, of that well, Jewish culture of today even. So Timothy's mother was a believer also in Jesus. So she was a Jewish woman who had come to believe in Jesus. Presumably that was during Paul's visit there. And um, uh, so Lister was, in fact, you're going to see if you when we get to it, you remember... You'll find out Lister was a place where people thought Paul was a god and they tried to worship him, that kind of thing. So we'll get to that when we get to it in a couple of months or a couple of weeks. So we can guess that Timothy, his mother Eunice, and his grandmother Lois all became Christians at that time. But it's just a guess. We don't know for sure. All we do know is that Timothy's grandmother and Timothy's mother had a Jewish background but came into a personal relationship with Jesus. And we know that the faith of Lois and Eunice was so strong that when Paul wrote this book of first of second timothy we're looking at it was a decade or more since he had met lois and eunice yet he still remembered their faith even a decade later it was that kind of faith that that really stuck in his mind and paul encouraged timothy by telling him how he remembered the sincere faith of his grandmother 
and of his mother, and that he believed that Timothy had the same kind of faith. Now, we don't know if Timothy converted first or his mother converted first, but in any case, Timothy's background and his understanding of the Jewish faith and what his mom did in the Christian faith set the stage for Timothy to be not only a believer in Jesus, but also a minister in Jesus' name. Now, when I say moms can transmit faith, I don't mean to say that because one is born to a Christian mother that one is automatically a Christian. It's not like that. The Jews may have said if your mom was Jewish, you're Jewish, but Christians don't say if your mom was Christian, you're Christian. It doesn't work that way. And some people said God has no grandchildren. That God, that everybody, we have to have a, our own personal relationship with him. I like this phrase, though. You may have heard it before. There's an old saying that says, just because a cat has kittens in the oven, that don't make them biscuits. All right? So just because you were raised in church does not mean that you're a Christian. And I just want to say right now that everybody has to have a personal relationship with Jesus. If you don't have that in your life, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to that at the end of the service. Now I want to tell you about a couple other little studies here. About 20 years ago, there was a huge study on the millennial generation and faith development. And I mean, it was a big, very uh, highly funded study. Um, it was called the National Longitudinal Study of Adolescence Health and Development or something like that. It was just a crazy sort of thing. But one of the things it found was that young people, less than 7% of young people, differ greatly from their mom's faith. You catch that? Mom, if you have a strong faith in Jesus, there is a 93% chance, just from your faith, that your kids will follow Jesus also. A 93% chance. That doesn't mean it's automatic, but if you're living the kind of life Jesus asks you to live and actually making it visible to your kids, there's, they are probably going to follow Jesus also. Do you realize that means you have so much more power in their lives than I do? Even if I were the pastor here for 20 years, I wouldn't hold a candle to the light of Jesus that you sign. In fact, there's another phrase I like. it. We've got it here on the board for you, all right? I love this one. An ounce of mom is worth a pound of pastors. <laughs> Remember that, okay? And it is a true statement. An ounce of mom is worth a pound of pastors. There are some of you in this room, some of you young people, you won't remember, you know, a, 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 10 years from now, you won't remember a, a thing that I've told you about Jesus. But if your mom's a believer, you'll remember some things she's told you about Jesus. And, it's, and, like, and there's science to back this up, guys. There's studies to show this. A few years earlier, the Barna Organization, which is a well-known and well-respected Christian research company based in Southern California, surveyed Christian teenagers to find out who had the most influence on them. Of Christian teenagers, less than 30% said pastors or youth ministers had a major influence on them. Christian teenagers, church kids, Less than 30% said we were worth anything, Hunter. All right? I mean, that's like, that's, that's crazy. But 70% said their mom was a major influence. Mom's influence is almost two and a half times what it is for the ministers. Now, that's not saying we don't have a job to do, okay? But that's saying that, that, that the relative influence of parents is way greater than that of ministers for church kids. And dads, you're not off the hook because dads came in second, but they were 60%. So moms and dads together are a formidable force that, that is worth so much more than the churches is, all right? Now, I'm not saying that the church doesn't have a job, okay? I'm not saying it doesn't have a job, but parents have a much huger, a much bigger opportunity here. And moms, you have a huge opportunity. And again, I'm going to say it again. The more sincere your faith is, 
the more likely your children will have a sincere faith. So moms, I want to challenge you, and dads, and other believers as well. The transmission of your faith is the greatest gift you can give to your children. Now, I'm out of the boomer generation, and boomer generation parents were the ones that got the reputation of being the helicopter parents. You know that term? Hovering around, helicoptering, okay? Now, young, you're a teacher. You ever run into helicopter past parents that just want to just clock them sometime, but Jesus says don't? All right, probably you do, all right? I've run into ones like that. And uh, in fact, you may remember there was a book written several years ago, uh, uh, well, a little bit over a decade ago, called The Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mom. And it was about a mom that, uh, that really was about how she was just the tiger mom. Um, when her kid wouldn't practice her cello, she threw her beanie babies in the, in, the, in the fireplace, all right? I mean, that was the kind of thing, all right? So there is some stuff like that going on. But here's what, I use that to, to let you know that parents still, whether they're helicopter parents or not, they still spend an enormous amount of energy helping their kids excel in school or in sports or in social acceptance. But I still believe a parent's best gift to kids, especially a mom's best, best gift, is helping them excel not mentally, not physically, not socially, but helping them excel spiritually. Moms, God has designed the mom-child relationship as a perfect vessel for transmitting faith to your kids. If you don't get anything out of this Mother's Day message other than this, this is it. You have no greater responsibility and opportunity with your children than to teach them your faith. Even if they're out of the house already, find ways that you can teach them your faith. Show them that it is important. Okay? Nothing matters more. Not what job they have, not what school they go to, not who they marry or where they live. Now, those things are all important in this life. But into eternity, nothing is more important than their relationship with Jesus. And as I said before, yes, the church has its part, but church influence works best when it supplements and supports your influence. That's the power of moms and of parents and of grandparents. Keep that in mind. Now, there are no guarantees with that, obviously. Moms have, may have the biggest spiritual influence, but our children still make their own choices. We can't force them to do anything. I think after about two, you can't really force them to do anything, all right? You're just, you, just, you just can't, all right? I've, I've learned that. But, so our children still make their own choices. But fortunately, the second mom, awesome power we see that's best seen through moms is the power to overcome difficulties. Let's go back to Timothy's life. We know that Timothy's grandmother, Lois, was a devout Jewish woman. And we can guess that she probably did her best to raise her daughter, Eunice, as a devout Jew. But it, we know that it didn't turn out that way. How do we know that? Because back in Acts 16, we see that Timothy's dad was a Greek. Now, that doesn't seem like a big deal to us today because transcultural marriages are common here. We've got several in our church, transcultural marriages. And we just, we're like, oh, that, that's cool, that's fine, that's, you know, whatever, that's good. But back in that day, especially in the Jewish community, that was considered mm, something not very good. All right? Paul specifically mentions Lois and Eunice not only as Jewish heritage, but as believers in Jesus. But all he says about Timothy's dad was that he was a Greek. And the only reason he even mentions that is displaying why Timothy wasn't circumcised. So it's, the obvious conclusion is that Timothy's father wasn't Jewish or of the Christian faith, at least at this point. We don't ever know if he became a, a believer or not. But at this point, he wasn't. Now, Lois raises her daughter Eunice as a good Jewish kid. 
but she decided to marry outside the faith and would thus have been excluded from the Jewish community. She would have been thought of as one of the bad kids in the Jewish community. She would have been ostracized a little bit for marrying outside the faith, outside the culture. Now, I don't want to be too hard on, 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 uh, on Eunice because she may have not had any other choice. Because we find out in Lystra, when Paul went there in his second missionary journey, there was no synagogue in Lystra. And to have a synagogue, you had to have 10 Jewish men. I know that's sexist today, but it was back in that day. 10 Jewish men to have a synagogue. And if you didn't have 10 Jewish men in a community, then you couldn't have a synagogue. But if you had 10 Jewish men in the community who were faithfully following the Jewish, Jewish law, they would have started a synagogue. So Eunice got raised in the community where there probably weren't 10 Jewish men. And the ones that were there were probably old. Maybe her dad and other people like that. So it was either like be a widow or marry some guy 40 years older than me or marry outside the faith. So maybe that was the case. We don't know for sure. But for whatever reason, Eunice married somebody outside the faith. And when she became a Christian, at least at first, her husband did not. So for at least for a while, Eunice did depart from the faith of her mother. And Timothy grew up in a spiritually divided home. And if, you're growing kids, if your kids are growing up in a spiritually divided home, I know there are people in our church that have spouses who are not believers, spouses who are not walking with Jesus, and you're struggling with that. But God turned it around in Timothy's life, and he can in other lives also. Even though Timothy grew up in a spiritually divided home, eventually God took these difficult situations and turned them around. So, how do moms get through tough times? Well, first way is they get through, through prayer. Prayer is a huge thing. And there are a lot of praying moms out there. I believe that with all my heart. If we look in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, we don't put it up on the screen, but I'll just tell you the story. You learn about Samuel's mom. Samuel was the, the first of what they call the former prophets. And Samuel's mom was Hannah. And Hannah was childless. And not only was Hannah childless and wanting a child, but her husband had another wife who had given him children, and she wasn't very kind to Hannah about it. Now, I know today women are never, you know, catty or bitter or, or, or get on each. Sorry, I didn't mean to look at you guys. Just you were here in the front row, Jackie. Uh, Jackie, it wasn't. Anthony hasn't told me anything, all right? Right, Anthony? All right, I'll keep your secrets, all right. But, but uh, back in that day, obviously it happened back then, and so Hannah was ridiculed by, by her, by her uh wife-in-law or whatever you would call it. I don't know what you call it back sister wife or that just seems creepy to me to say that so I'm, I like wife-in-law better all right that's we'll coin that so it doesn't have a creepy feeling to it and Hannah would would pray continually for that for for a child and when God eventually gave her a son it was the great prophet Samuel the guy who anointed both Saul and David the first two kings of Israel and in her thankfulness she dedicated Samuel to the Lord and he was raised in the service of the Lord. Now, in this story, once she gave up Samuel, God gave her five more children. Now, I want to say this. If you're a woman who is wanting children but hasn't been successful, I cannot promise you that just because God gave one to, Sam, to, to Hannah that he'll give you a child. God does things for his own purposes. And though our prayers do make a difference, God does not see fit to answer every prayer that we have. I get that. But the story of, of Hannah's mom power is not about her overcoming childlessness. Her mom power is overcoming, 
her attachment to her son to be able to dedicate him to the Lord. That she overcame that difficulty. And when God gave her what she'd wanted so much, she said, you know what, I realize this is, this is something from God. And God wanted her to do something different with that child, and she did. And so it wasn't even then the dream that she had had about raising a kid, that she dedicated to the Lord, trusting that God would get her through the difficult times. Now, moms, I don't know what difficulties you're facing right now, but I do know this, that God can give you everything you need to endure it and everything you need to get through it. And in fact, God has probably already given you those things. So God helped Hannah and Lois and Eunice to overcome difficulties. So now let's look at a third, mom power. It's in the same scripture out of 2 Timothy. Moms have the power to communicate scripture. Now to understand this point, we have to look at, jump ahead a little bit in, in 2 Timothy. Our original passage was 2 Timothy 1. We're going to jump over to chapter 3 real quick. 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 to 17. Paul's still writing to his protege Timothy, and he says that he's known God's word as a child. Here's what he writes. And you know that from infancy, some translations say childhood, but the word right there really means baby, like before a toddler kind of thing. From infancy, you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. Moms, you do all those things, don't you? So the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So apparently, even before Eunice and Lois became Christians, they had taught scripture to young Timothy. Even from the time he was a baby, he was taught scriptural stories of God's work among his people. And as we mentioned earlier, there was no synagogue around, so where else would Timothy get his education? Except from his mom and his grandmother, since his dad was not of the faith. All right, so... Lois and Eunice, the first pastors that Timothy had. I know that freaks out us in conservative churches to say that, but that's what it was there. And it set the stage for Timothy coming to know faith in Christ and following Paul into ministry. And it helped make Timothy into the kind of man that Paul would want to travel with and that people would be drawn to. In fact, if we go back to Acts 16, it says Paul notes that, that Timothy was well-respected by the other Christians in that area. He was, Tim, Eunice and Lois had raised the kind of man that people respected a lot. You know, the Bible itself speaks of its own power and influence, but somebody's got to communicate it. Here's what it says in Psalm 119, which is sort of a love song to the Bible. It says, your command makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. And here's a verse every teenager loves. I have more insight than all my teachers, because your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the elders because I obey your precepts. That scripture, moms, as you teach it to your kids, has the power to change lives, to make people wise. You know, I mentioned my mom earlier. There's another mom who's in, from whose influence I benefit, and it's my wife, Teresa. And I know she has not been with us at any of these times. And um, um, But one of the things that, that I seen in my wife's life is her spiritual influence on her kids. You know, my kids grew up as PKs, preacher kids. And as you know, all right, do we have any preacher's kids in here? I know we've got a couple of them in here, all right? And you know, they've, they've got the reputation of either being the, the, the goody two-shoes or being, you know, just a, a preview of, of not heaven, all right? Let's just say that, okay. Um, 
And my kids, my kids were actually double preachers because my wife was on church staff as a, as a, as a, um, um, as a worship minister for, for, for many, many years. And it was actually through her work that they got, they were known as the PKs because I, the people didn't, I, my job was working with churches out. I traveled around to other churches. But I remember one day, um, my wife had, um, my wife had always had a quiet time but had been inconsistent with it. And one day, we're talking with a friend of mine who, one of the finest youth workers I've ever met, and he said, basically talked about the importance of communicating to your kids that you have a quiet time. My wife had always had her quiet time back in her bedroom or after the kids went off to school or whatever. And she decided that moment that she would get up early before the kids did, and she would have her quiet time out in the living room or out in the kitchen at the island there. And... Um, that if the kids ever got up early before she did, they, they would know they would find their mom seated there having a quiet time. And I know that, that one change in her made a difference where I, I, I know she went probably, she's probably gone maybe 20 years since she learned that principle. And I bet you, on both hands, you could count the number of times she's missed her quiet time in 20 years. But that's the thing that probably influenced my kids more than anything, not my sermons not being PKs, not anything from all the other sermons they've heard, but watching their mom have her consistent quiet time. And I do appreciate and love my wife for that, that she was able to make that kind of difference. And, um, you know, my kids went with me on some of my ministries. They learned, they learned to be pretty good church consultants, okay? They could get up and size up a church really quick. I remember driving up to a church one time when my son was 12, and I said, what do you think about this church? And he just looked around and said, well, I can tell by the outside they're not in touch with their community. It's probably full of old people. I'd say there's probably about 50 people in there, and they're probably on the verge of dying. We walk, I mean, on the nose, okay? But you know what? He's not a church consultant now. But what he does know of the faith, most of it he got from watching his mom's faith lived out, like that quiet time. So, again, moms, you've got that ability to communicate Scripture. You know, learning, learning the Bible and learning from the Bible these two things consistently prove to be the most transformative habits in anyone's life. And I think this is especially true for younger people whose neural pathways are still building and whose heads are not yet full of all the useless data that adults have collected. Like, really? Do I need the theme song from the Beverly Hills in my head? I can sing every word of it. I don't need it. So these young people, their, their neural pathways aren't filled up like that. But the things you learn when you're young, those are the things that stick with you. If that weren't the case, why is it? I haven't used the King James Bible in 30 years. And those of you who are big on the King James Bible, don't throw rocks at me. It's just I use New American Standard now usually. We use the Christian Standard Bible here as our pew Bibles. But I still know Bible verses that I learned in the King James Version back when I was in vacation Bible school when I was six years old. All right? So I'm just saying, parents, this is the influence that you have. So moms, if you have young children at home, or you have contact with young, young grandchildren, or you're mentoring a mom or helping a mom that's got other kids like that, remember, teach them the Bible. Let, I feel the same way sometimes during church, and I appreciate that honesty. All right? And Tracy, don't you ever be embarrassed by that, okay? That's the sound of life right there, and we just, that's a blessing to have that right there. Need to put $20 in his college fund for that, for illustrating a, a person right there, okay? All right, that kid's going to be blessed for being in church, all right, and having a godly mom. All right, so 
Uh, where are we now? Boy, I just probably had to close it with that right there. That was probably better than anything else I got to say, but I'm going to anyway because I wrote it, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say it. But we're coming to our time of invitation. And so for today, I do want to celebrate moms and acknowledge the awesome power that God has given to them and really to all of us, but we just see it best through moms. Now, moms, I don't want you to look at this as saying, oh, my gosh, he's just given us another task we have to do. We've got so much stuff we have to do, and now we've got to do this and this and this spiritually. I don't want to, I know that moms work hard. In fact, there's another old comedian, Milton Berle. Some of you guys don't know it. Milton Berle said this, if evolution really works, how come moms have only two, hand, have, only have two hands? All right? I just think, wouldn't that make sense? But I know moms work hard, they love intensely, and they worry about everything. And I don't want you to hear this message that how your, how your kids turn out spiritually all depends on you. No, you have the greatest influence, but dads, you've got your part too. We'll leave that for next month, okay? So it's coming in Father's Day. And church, church family, we have our part too, okay? We really do. But as I already said, churches mainly supplement your influence. So mom, I have two commitments I want you to make today. First, moms, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I want you to do that today. That's the greatest gift you could give your children. But you can't give them that gift unless if you don't know Jesus yourself. And knowing Jesus is the only way you can bring them up with God's power and God's wisdom. So moms, I want you to spend some time looking inside yourself and saying, have I done that? Dads, you too. In fact, everybody here, this applies to everybody. And second, if you do have a personal relationship with Jesus, ask him to help you raise your children according to his plan. Whether your children are four months old or 40 years old, we still have a part in raising them. So ask God to help you to raise your children according to his plan. And you can help with that by continuing to grow in your love for Jesus, your obedience to God, and help your kids see that in your life. Just remember that God has put you in a place of awesome power and he's ready and willing to use you to bless your children and to form them into who he's designed them to be. You are an integral part of God's work in the lives of your kids and an integral part of God's work in the world around us. Thank you for all you do. And again, if you want to make a spiritual decision today, you can check it on your little card and we'll follow up with you. Or we'll be hanging around here afterwards. We want to talk with you about it. But we bless you for being the blessing that you are to us, to all of us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for moms. And today, give them what they need. If they need rest, let them find rest. If they need encouragement, let them see the results of some of their efforts in the lives of their kids. If they need restoration, we pray that they could find restored relationships, restored homes starting today. And Father, bless them as they have blessed us. Thank you for providing us with the blessings of moms. Amen.